guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the cross hello and welcome again to the community bible church podcast where we are doing a chapter by chapter weekly discussion of the book gentle and lowly the Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Orland. My name is Matt Owen. I am the lead pastor at Community Bible Church of Orange Park, and I am joined today by Joseph Brader, who is the pastor of worship and discipleship here at CBC. Joseph, how hey, are Matt. you? I'm great. You? you? I'm doing well. Have you uh, given any thought to purchasing a scooter? I have not given, given any thought to that. Okay, because no. I think it would probably take you an hour to ride... A scooter yep. from your house here and i'd have to come all the way up uh 17 and then up landing yeah. so i don't at 18 I don't, at 18 points <laughs> yeah yeah all that base traffic is gonna love me <laughs> when i'm driving home at rush hour and, and you there should, and you should actually you could actually ride in a lane so like <laughs> just backing up behind you from <laughs> so yeah i don't think a scooter is in my future no <laughs> although i still think it's a great idea I promise we are not going to. This is the last week we're going to talk about scooters. Okay, this we'll is, see. This is we'll, we'll see once true. you once you get it. I think that we're not going to talk about scooters next week, though. That I will promise you. And there we go. Uh, this week uh, we want to talk about chapter ten, which is the beauty and the heart of Christ. And one of the things that um, Ortland says in this chapter is that human beings are created with a built-in pull toward beauty. Uh, what are some ways that we see that that is true? Um, I mean, we see it like in the things we like to look at and like to take pictures of and post pictures to Instagram, you know, like when we see a beautiful sunset or at the beach and it just looks gorgeous or mountain, you know, um, I guess that's all like outdoors, beautiful scenery mm -hmm. stuff, but that's an example. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, uh, we see it. Honestly, we see it like in honestly in how we choose like our favorite actors and actresses, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We choose people that like we like looking at them. Mm -hmm. uh, like it just is what it is. We're we're mm -hmm. drawn to beauty. I know people who choose their favorite sports teams because they like the jerseys or like the colors. I mean, it, <laughs> seriously, that is a crime. But yes, I yeah. Know. Well, I agree. <laughs> um, but uh, we're just we're just drawn to that aesthetically pleasing stuff. Yeah. There's a reason that. You know, more expensive real estate has it's got a view. Yeah, whatever that view is. Right. You know, if you want yeah. the view, you're going to pay more for it because we love that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, both Ortland and Edwards <clears throat> claim that a vision of God's greatness is not enough to change us, but that we need a vision of His goodness as well. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that statement? And if you agree with it, uh, why do we need both of those things? Yeah, I absolutely agree with it. Um, I think, first of all, you just have half the picture with mm -hmm. either one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. But if we only have the greatness of God and we don't have the goodness of God or vice versa, you don't actually have much of a picture of who God is. Um, and so if, if, and the glory of God is like, both of those things, I guess, are wrapped up or intertwined inextricably in the glory of God. Mm. And you need both of them, right? Like the goodness is not as good or as impressive maybe without the greatness. Mm. Uh, and we appreciate the greatness because in his goodness, he has moved toward us and allowed us to see his greatness and relate to this. great. You know, so I think, um, 
I think if we're if, if what changes us is a sight of the glory of God, then we need to actually have a full picture of the glory of God, which is not just he's majestic and powerful and holy and transcendent and all, although those things are all true and necessary. Mm-hmm. But um God is glorious because he's merciful and kind and full of steadfast love abounding to generations, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think, you know, for you and I, maybe a lot of people at our church and maybe just a lot of people in general, Mm -hmm. there's this point in our lives where we've come to realize that God is, is way bigger than we thought. Yeah, definitely. You have that moment where... You know, you knew God was God, but then you start like seeing some of the things that the Bible actually says about Him, mm-hmm. um, and you start coming to terms with God's sovereignty. Yep. And and you know, we sometimes talk about it as big God theology, mm-hmm. um, where we get to and 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 because maybe that hasn't always been present in our in our conception of yeah. of God. Yeah. Um. And it gets brought in, it then maybe sometimes becomes the only thing. Mm-hmm. So God, big God theology comes to town, and then it becomes monolithic, and that's the that's the only way we conceive of Him. Yeah, uh, we think of His His sheer sovereignty, mm-hmm. and 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 stop thinking about His goodness and even His closeness. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and His his beauty and that there's there's something beautiful about christ that's compelling yeah even though you know he has no form <laughs> that we should desire him you know right he's not he was you know the bible makes it clear he wasn't a person that you necessarily look at and say oh that's an attractive human being mm-hmm. um but who he is is beautiful and what he represents his heart yeah is beautiful and and i and i absolutely agree we need we need both of those things yeah yeah and in the recovery in the recovery of the one don't lo- we can't lose the other right right whichever way you're recovering from right whichever way you right. maybe maybe right. leaned which you're right for most of us it's on we're on the greatness side we're on the big god yeah. theologies like that's where we've kind of lived and that's yeah. great but yeah so let's think a little bit about what uh the danger is of thinking about Christ solely in terms of truth and not beauty. Sure. What are, what are the dangers there? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, one of them is the same thing we were talking about, I guess, in the, uh, in the last question, which is you only have half of, mm-hmm. half of the picture, mm-hmm. right? We don't actually have a full Christology or full understanding of, uh, or theology of Christ if we're only thinking in terms of one or the other. Um, but I think uh, if we only if we only lock on to truth, we end up with this academic pursuit mm-hmm. that ends up actually in idolatry, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, theology is super important, and he talks about that in here. Uh, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna find the the quote. I should have been at this page. I'm sorry. That's no, all good. Um, he had a great quote referencing this. Uh, here he goes on page 99 he said the whole reason we care about sound doctrine is for the sake of preserving God's beauty just as the whole reason that we care about effective focal lenses on a camera is to capture with precision the beauty that we photograph Mm -hmm. Um, so the the point uh, the point of theology is doxology Mm -hmm. is worship is our our hearts our affections being engaged for God so that we Mm -hmm. actually know and love God 
Um, and so if we're thinking only in truth, we miss the heart, which is actually the whole point of the truth to start with. Um, and truth, truth on its own on an island does frankly nothing for you, right? You can know all kinds of stuff about God. The scripture says the demons believe and tremble. Honestly, demons have probably much better theology than we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Much more correct, nuanced theology about things than you or I do in our fallen human, you know, limited capacities. Um, but that has that has no saving effect on them, clearly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it does absolutely nothing for them in terms of igniting their hearts in faith and in love for mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in, 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 you know, in seminary, if you're taking a class on systematic theology, one of the one of the divisions of systematic theology is going to be Christology, mm-hmm. and you're going to learn all sorts of Christological heresies, yeah, um, misconceptions about the the nature and person of Christ, um, and it's good because you're certainly not saying that you know. Uh, truth to, about Christ doesn't matter. Right. We need uh, it to be able to. You got to know him before you love him. It's essential. Right. You, you can't. You can't truly love what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, certainly this was the the case for me. Is is he he becomes studied as an abstraction. Yep. Um, and I'm going to be. You know, I'm going to take a test. Yeah. And I'm going to have to I, name name the name the uh, the heresies from the first couple of centuries. Yeah, and, right. And making sure I get that stuff right. Yeah. And now Jesus becomes a subject to be studied mm-hmm. rather than a person to be loved. Yep. And so we we need to know him. But if if like you were saying, if, if knowing's not leading us towards love and worship, if yeah. If seeing him more clearly is not increasing our vision of his beauty, then we're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the two work hand in hand, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're listening and you've come through um, exploring membership class in the last maybe three years since I've been teaching that class, and maybe we were doing this before. I don't know how it was always in the past, but uh, we always talk about the relationship between truth and worship or theology and doxology as this never-ending kind of spiraling thing where you have to know before you love but as you come to love more you want to know more mm-hmm. right and i couldn't like i couldn't love anna until i knew her in some sense mm-hmm. but once i knew her and started to fall in love with her it made me want to know her more which makes me love her more mm-hmm. which makes me want to know her more and they end up working together mm-hmm. forever <laughs> yeah 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 that's a that's a very good way of putting it um one of the things that i love at the end of the chapter because I think this really maybe really sharpens the point uh-huh. on all of this and makes it practical and I recognize not everybody here listening as a parent um, or has children um, but he says at the close of the chapter that our, our goal as parents should be that our kids would leave the house at 18 and be unable to live the rest of their lives believing that their sins and sufferings repel Christ mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, obviously it's a little bit overstated that they'd be unable to do that. I mean, we struggle to believe that ourselves, right, even right. in the best situations, but you understand the, the sentiment behind what he's saying. Yeah. We don't want our kids to walk away from, from our, under our roof, believing that their sins actually have like a, what's the reverse magnet when that's 
oh. repelling each other. I, guess. I, don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Well, we, we'll need to do an episode on magnets in which we <laughs> understand how magnets work. Uh, but we do kind of believe almost that our sin pushes Christ yep. away. Yep. So, so I just wanted to ask the question, what practically does that look like? What would a home look like yeah. that kids would walk away with that kind of understanding? I mean, probably the biggest thing is not letting their sin and suffering repel you. Oh, okay. Right? Ouch. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, but I think like like it's incumbent on us to model that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially as we're teaching our kids the gospel. Mm-hmm. Then let's model the gospel. Let's yeah. model the way Jesus loved. I think it probably also is going to... Um, like like we need to embrace that in front of them yeah right which means probably having a humility and some an appropriate vulnerability mm-hmm. with them about our sins when mm-hmm. we sin against them when we, mm-hmm. you know um i think we can model like our own belief in that and, mm-hmm. and show them we believe this is true um well, I don't well know on thoughts. that um I mean, you may have others but uh i think a phrase that you know, I I set have have tried to remove from my vocabulary, uh-huh. but um, I've said more times than I should have is is a phrase like "What's wrong with you?" Mm, yeah, sure. And uh, "What's wrong with you?" sends a message mm-hmm. that you're doing something that other people aren't doing, mm-hmm. and certainly that I'm not doing. Mm, yeah. So both of the things that you talked about. You know, you said we need to show them that their sin doesn't repel us. Yeah. Well, if I say that, what's wrong with you? I'm sure. saying, you know, you've got a problem. Right. And I'm disgusted by and it. I'm disgusted I'm by it. Yep. Uh, but we're also saying, um, I don't have that problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And I think that's uh, phrases like that mm-hmm. do the opposite of both of those things that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have something else? I, I kind of stopped you to say that. No. Did you have anything, anything I don't think else? so. Um, that's what I was thinking as well, modeling modeling to our kids what it looks like, both for us to accept them with their sin mm-hmm. and also to um, model for them what, it, what our, our own confidence in Christ. Yeah. Find ways to model confidence in, in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, show them what it looks like to run to him yeah. rather than run away. Yeah. And I think it's important to say, too, um, you know, you mentioned there certainly are people listening who don't have kids or who don't have kids at home anymore, whatever, who aren't aren't necessarily going to be able to walk this out as immediately tangibly. Mm-hmm. This doesn't just extend to your kids. Right. Right. Like, yeah, you and I need to do this for each other. Right. And we need to do this for our spouses and our friends and our, our church family and our community groups and all kinds of things. Um, like, this is the way that we need to relate to other people. Mm-hmm. We need to help ourselves and each other. Uh, believe that our sins don't repel Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that is a a culture of grace and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. For sure. One other thing that I thought in our, in our homes. Oh, sorry. I went off on a, off on a rabbit trail. I will overlook it, but (laughs) we'll have to edit this, edit this out. Make it work now. Um, Another thing could be, you know, we talk about catechizing mm-hmm. our children. You know, if you're not familiar with that term, um, catechizing is just a system of, of delivering a system of doctrine. It's teaching um, catechisms, our, 
are usually a question and answer format that are just meant to give people questions and answers to all kinds of biblical doctrine. And, and, and catechizing is important, um, but the danger could be in the way we, we approach catechizing is that it could that theology could be one subject among many. So I want my kids to have a math proficiency. I yeah. want them to have a good reading score. Uh, I want them to pass the FSA, and I want them to know this this stuff about God. Yeah. And, and instead of knowing God, yeah. knowing yeah. stuff about God. Yep. And and catechesis can make God beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, not make him beautiful, but reveal display. His beauty, right. Display yeah. If we are conscious of conscious of that right it's that same thing it's that relationship of truth and beauty that we're mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. we're circling around yeah yeah so uh our time's about gone on this one but is there anything else you wanted to say before we go no i think that's great okay well then uh we'll end the conversation there but uh let me finish with uh matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 as we do each week uh, the bible says uh, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is grace.